The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Game Podcast Network is brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to Cut.com. That's K-U-T-T.com. Use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of down the Hall of Fame Bets advertised at bets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. And don't forget to enter our Super Bowl 58 uh, props contest. Pick 58 Super Bowl props for a chance to win $1,000. Enter today for free at sportscampockets.com slash SB58 or in the SGPN app. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast. Now, it is currently early Sunday morning, February 11th, and I'm your host, always, Scott Reichel, once again, going solo for this pod. Should be a fun but short episode, only three matches to talk about, because it is time to get into the final in Cordoba, in Dallas, and in Marseille. So we are going to talk about three matches. Should be fun. couple of surprise finalists, which we'll get into in a second, before we get into any of the actual recap from the last episode and any of the previews for the three matches. Do want to quickly remind everybody to like and subscribe on YouTube. Don't forget to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you're new, welcome, stick around, and let's make some money uh, betting on some tennis. But looking at some other piece of news to mention, don't forget to check out the merch store on uh, the SGPN website for uh, Tennis Gambling Podcast merch. We now have t-shirts, we have mugs, we got stuff for the show. Relatively new, I'd say, uh, got posted about a month ago, give or take. But the point is, if you do want to support the show, check out the merch store and buy some type of merchandise for the podcast. But either way, time to start off with the recap from the last episode for the semis. Overall, pretty decent episode. Not great, not terrible. Uh, Good news, though, we did win the lock. We had the over in the Dimitrov and Kashanov match at 22.5 games at minus 130. That match was never in doubt for the over. It was an absolute war. Dimitrov, I thought, would win probably in three I mentioned that I thought the money line price was insane. It was. Kashanov had a shot to win it, fell short as Dimitrov got the job done and advanced to his second final of 2024. So we'll see if Dimitrov can win his second title on a Sunday. Either way, though, the lock was never in doubt. Nice winner there. For the dog, though, really was not close. We had Baez to win in straight sets against Darderi in uh, Cordoba at plus 125. Didn't happen as Darderi hit the just really just hit the gates running as he ended up opening up a massive lead early in the first set, won the first set 6-1, I think, and actually won the match. So either way, Baez was not close, lost outright, and as a result, we ended up splitting. For the other semifinal matches, really kind of hit and miss. Uh, We were not right about the... uh, What were we not right about? The Dallas matches. We thought that Paul and that Giro would probably end up losing. They both won. Uh, we thought her catch would win. He did not. Uh, the Dimitrov match we got right on the nose, and we got the Bagnus match right, as we thought he would end up beating Coria, and he did. So once again, not a great day per se, but we split the lock and dog picks. Hopefully we'll do better on the Sunday matches. But either way, uh, to go quickly into my actual uh, breakdown of each match, we're going to start off with, in chronological order, the Umber match against her catch. Simply put, Umber was on fire uh, the entire match. He was great. Now you're looking at the actual stats, and her catch ended up uh, having nine aces, two double faults, ended up landing 63% of the first serves. That was where the problem ended up lying because her catch won 88% of his first serve points, but only 37% of his second serve points. So the issue was Herkatch didn't make enough first serves, and Umber not only won 80% of the first serve points, but he landed 77% of the first serves. So that's why Umber did not get broken. 
in the match. He ended up fighting off all three breakpoints. Her catch failed to fight off any breakpoints as he went 0 for 2 in that regard. Uh, but the point is, Umber looked great, ended up beating her catch for the first time, and now he's in a final in his home country again after doing so last year, I believe, in Mets. But now you're looking at Dimitrov. That match was incredible, easily the match of the day. And Dimitrov did just enough at the end to survive the tiebreak. Kashanov threatened to potentially break right before the breaker, didn't get it. And then you saw Dimitrov hit a ridiculous uh, running shot on the line that kind of swung the tide of the tiebreak. Kashanov also just fell apart down the stretch in that tiebreaker. I believe he lost the last three points he had on his own serve, and it was kind of a mess with unforced errors. But Dimitrov got it done as he ended up winning in three. As for Dallas, Paul and Giron won comfortably. The matches were objectively bad because the guy got an early lead and coasted, and that was kind of the story. Shelton was disappointing. Simply put, there are some rumors he was injured. I don't buy that. I just think Paul beat him, and Giron ended up beating Manorino easily. I mentioned before that Manorino had a gift of a path, and he really didn't have to play any tennis to get to the semis, and unfortunately, that came back to bite him as Giron has been in phenomenal form all tournament long, and now he's looking for his first ever ATP title. So we'll see what happens. As for Cordoba, you saw Bagnus beat Coria in a fun match. Coria, simply put, has no firepower at all, and kind of a weird uh, little flaw in his game that was quite apparent in that second set. He cannot hit an overhead to save his life, so it seemed like Coria was voluntarily trying to avoid hitting overheads and settling for defensive tweeners behind the baseline because he was afraid of hitting the ball over his head, and it just seemed like that came back to bite him on several key points. So I wanted to mention that Coria just can't hit an overhead and it seemed like he was just on the back foot the entire match by choice because he was just unwilling to actually unload on the forehand or the backhand, and Bagnus did enough. Kind of stumbled down the stretch, but got it done as he ended up winning the second set 7-5. Darderi, though, was great. Uh, got off to a fast start. Baez kind of righted the ship there in the second set, winning at 6-3. There was a long uh, bathroom break, I guess, uh, by Darderi to start the third set, and that was the reset button that he needed because Darderi... Got a break somewhere in the early dash middle of the third set and held on at the end. Wasn't easy. There, it kind of looked like he was cramping a bit, actually, uh, in the final couple games, but he got through it. Baez's unforced errors were a serious problem, and he just handed away too many free points, simply put. So that was the biggest shocker of the day. It was Darderi beating the defending champion in his home country, and now you have a pretty fun final in Cordoba. Actually, a historic final. I believe it is the either third or fourth time ever in ATP history where two uh, two qualifiers are playing in the final of an event. I think it's the third time, might be the fourth, pretty sure it's the third, but you can correct me if I'm wrong in the description. But the point is you have two qualifiers, Bagnus and Darderi, in the ATP uh, tournament final, which has only happened a handful of times before. So either way, that's pretty cool, but that's going to do it for the actual recap of those matches. Now it's time to get into the actual preview of the matches on Sunday. Before we get into any of that, do you want to take a quick word from our sponsor? 
Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into $200 instantly in bonus bets. You can currently find the Super Bowl lines available on DraftKings. The Chiefs are plus 2 and the Niners are minus 2. The over-under is set at 47.5. Should be a fun game, and hopefully you make some money betting on it with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SGP. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of, of Super Bowl 58 with code SGP. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit CCPG. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. We're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has a way to plug inside your favorite fantasy players all season long. NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, and college football. Still be higher or lower on your favorite fantasy players' fantasy stats and cash in. You can win 100 times your money with some spicy plays. Watch along, maybe make a little money and make some picks over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, remember to use the promo code SGPN. Underdog will double your response up to $100. Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished recapping Saturday semifinal matches in Cordoba, Dallas, and in Marseille. Now it is time to get into the actual previews for the final in all three of those tournaments. We're going to start off in chronological order. You're going to go with the same order as yesterday. Marseille is going to come first, then Dallas, and then Cordoba. Starting off in Marseille, you have a home country guy uh, as a pretty big underdog here against Dimitrov, as Dimitrov is minus 218 on the money line while Umber is plus 188. As for the over-under, 22.5, the over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. For game spread, Dimitrov minus 3 is minus 105. Umber plus 3 is minus 115. If you want to go for some alt spreads, you can get Dimitrov minus 2.5 at minus 130. You can also get Umber plus 2.5 at even money. If you want to go for 3.5, Umber plus 3.5 is minus 140. Dimitrov minus 3.5 is a plus 100. If you want to go for the set wager, you can get Dimitrov in straight sets at plus 120. Umber to an A set is minus 150, and the over two and a half sets is available at plus 130. Now, to go through the head-to-head between these players, Dimitrov has done quite well. In fact, he's never lost against Umber, so we'll see if history will repeat itself here on Sunday. Now, I will admit they faced off two times, technically three uh, but there was a walkover involved in Washington last year, so that doesn't exactly count. They faced off in Cincinnati in 2020. Dimitrov did win in straight sets. Faced off in Paris, so there was one match in their head-to-head in Umber's backyard, and Dimitrov did win that one in three sets. It was 2019, though. Does it mean anything? Not really. Uh, so the point is, this is the second time they've ever faced off in France. Now, I do think looking at this actual matchup, Dimitrov, I can understand being the favorite, should he be minus 218? No. I think that line's too high. Uh, kind of similarly to the way that I described the Kashanov match, Umber's been fantastic. Just simply put, he lost the first set to Gaston, then killed him in the next two sets, then beat Fakina in straight sets, and then beat the defending champion, Hercatch, a top 10 player who was in great form for the entire 2024. 6-4, 6-4, he kind of beat him like a drum. 
and now he's getting plus 188 after Dimitrov had a war against Kashanov that took basically three hours on Saturday. This line feels steep. Now, I do think Dimitrov should be kind of like my price for the Kashanov match, 160, maybe 170 in this match. But 218, that feels massive to me. I think Umber with the home crowd behind him, uh, which he's definitely fed off the energy from, I think he's in potential line to make this match very interesting, maybe win a set, maybe he'll win in three, or maybe just gets the job done in general. But I do think this price is too high. I like the over in this match. I see a very close battle. Umber is a pretty unique player to prepare for, uh, and I do think that Dimitrov is going to have success at times, but he has been involved in a lot of breakers recently. He's had at least one tiebreaker in six of his last seven matches, so I do think you're looking at what should be a pretty long match, a pretty grueling match, and because of that, I do like the over in this match. I like the dog here plus the games. I like the three and a half at minus 140, but I think you're going to see a marathon. I think it might go three again, but I do think there's some value on the dog here, and I do like the over because of it. Dimitrov, I think, is probably going to win because I think he's the better player right now. If Umber wins, though, would I be shocked? Not at all. I think that Umber is actually quite alive to win it, but 218 I think is a bit crazy. I think it should be lower, and so if you want to go for a value play, Maybe you embarrass money line if you think he can find a way to get it done. But I do think Dimitrov is going to have moments where it's not exactly clear if he's going to survive, and I think he will. But the point is, I think it's going to be a little bit dicey at times. So give me Umber plus the games and give me the over in what I think should be kind of a repeat of the match we saw between Dimitrov and Kashanov on Saturday. Maybe not to that extreme with two breakers and three competitive sets in general. But I do think you'll see probably three sets and you'll probably see one breaker uh, in there. Uh, So I am going to go with the dog here plus the games and the over. And moving on to the next match, we're going to look at the final in Dallas. You have two Americans. Uh, You have Paul at minus 175 as the favorite against Guy Roan at plus 155. You're looking at the actual total games here. 23 flat is minus 110 on both sides. 22.5, the over is minus 150. The under is plus 120. As the game spread, Paul, I said it's 2.5 at minus 110. You can't get 1.5. At minus 140, Giron plus one and a half is plus 110. If you want to look at the actual set wagering, uh, Paul in straight sets is plus 140. Giron to an A set is minus 170. Giron in straight sets is plus 350. If you want the match to go to three sets, you can find that at plus 120. Now, the story of this tournament has been Giron's just insanely hot run because he's been incredible. Giron has not dropped a single set, and... He really hasn't been close to dropping a set. He's not dropped more than four games in a set in the entire tournament. He beat Moreno 6-1-6-4, beat Purcell 6-4-6-3, beat Tiafo 6-1-6-4, and beat Manorino 6-1-6-3. As for Paul, he had a pretty easy tournament as well as he has not dropped a set as he beat Paul. Uh, sorry, he beat uh, Daniel 6-3-6-2, beat Kepfer 7-5-6-3, and beat Shelton comfortably 6-2-6-4. So I do think both players are in great form, which should make for a pretty interesting match. Now for the head-to-head, it's actually pretty close. Now they faced off five times. Uh, a couple of them are dated, but I'm going to mention it anyway. They faced off in a Futures event in 2017, Giron won. Faced off in, I believe it was a Challenger event in 2018, Giron won. Faced off in New Haven in 2019, Paul won. Faced off in the Miami Open in 2021, and Giron won that one in straight sets. And they faced off last year in Toronto, where Paul did win 6-3-6-2. So all five matches were straight set wins, but it is currently 3-2 in favor of Giron. 
The first two meetings, though, were before 2019, so I don't know if that actually matters or not. But the point is the meetings have been close in terms of the head-to-head -head record. So we'll see what happens. But based on the form of both players, I kind of like Giron. It's kind of tricky. It's kind of tricky to actually pick which guy's in better form when neither guy's dropped a set in the entire tournament. But looking at the eye test, Giron's been fantastic. And I do think looking at how these players match up, it should be a very long baseline rally match where each guy is going to try to outlast the other guy. They're going to see a lot of 30 plus shot rallies and we'll see who comes out victorious. I do think Giron, though, is a little bit disrespected for these odds. I know part of it is because of the name recognition of Shelton because Paul beat him in straight sets while Giron beat Manorino. A reminder, Manorino did beat Shelton, though, in the Australian Open. So you could argue that those wins by each player are kind of a wash. But I do think Giron is actually quite alive to win this. Now, of course, we're hoping that Paul wins because we have Paul to win the tournament as an outright. So it would be a lot cooler if Paul got the job done. So a reminder, if you ended up backing my outright picks, you already have action on this match and you could hedge with Giron. I think it's going to be a marathon. It's kind of tricky to take an over two and a half sets though when all five head-to-head -head meetings ended in straight sets. But those are so dated. The most recent meeting was last year. Uh, the most recent meeting before that was 2021. Not much recent history between these two players. So I do think you're going to end up seeing what should be a pretty competitive match, a fun match. I'm going to lean to Giron though. I just think Giron has been in a slightly better form in terms of the eye test. And Giron has actually not gotten broken in the entire event. Paul was able to beat Shelton, but the serve was really not that great. And Paul mentioned that in the post-match on-court interview where he said that his serve was not very good and he managed to survive in a lot of these service games. The point is Giron has not gotten broken yet. So if you're going to talk about what should be a pretty even matchup, I will take the better server in this event, and that's Giron. So I think that there's some value at plus 155 on the dog. I am going to link to the games, though. I think you're looking at what should be a close match. I'm going to lean to the plus two and a half. I'll lean to the over as well, even though I do admit that there has not been a three-setter between them. Maybe a team total or a player prop total if you want to go for Tommy Paul at 12 and a half games. The over is like minus 140, minus 130 or so. Giron's at 12 flat. Maybe if you want to take that too. I do see a longer match, but I do think you're going to see Giron have a pretty decent shot to win this. And because of that, I think the value is going to be on Giron. I really don't see any value at all on Tommy Paul at minus 175. So if I had to price it myself, I'd have Paul as a favorite because of ranking, obviously, and just based on pedigree. But I do think Paul should be closer to minus 130, minus 140. I see a pretty close match. So I think plus 155 is a good value play, and that's going to be my lean for this match. Moving on to the final match for this episode, we're going to look at the final in Cordoba. They're going to see two qualifiers going at it. One is Argent Argentinian, so one is a home crowd advantage as you have Dardi or Darderi taking on Bagnus. Darderi is minus 142, uh, trying to win his first ever ATP title, uh, first ever ATP final he's ever been in, while Bagnus is also looking for his first ATP uh, title ever. I believe he's about, I'm trying to remember if he's 34 or he's about to turn 34. But the point is, he's been around for a long time. He made it to one ATP final several years ago, and he's going to try to get the job done in the second time around. Uh, but you look at the actual lines here. Darderi is around minus one and a half on the game spread at minus 111. Uh, Bagnus plus one and a half is minus 109. The over-under is at 22 and a half. The over is minus 113. The under is minus 107. And I don't have any alt lines. So to go through my overall, 
I'll start off with the head-to-head, actually. Uh, the head-to-head's been competitive. They faced off in French Open qualifying last year, and Bagnus beat him easily as Bagnus beat him 6-3, 6-4. They faced off in Brazil, though, in 2022, and Darderi did win in three, despite getting bageled in the first set. Lost the first set 6-0, then came back and won 7-5, 6-2. So the point is the head-to-head's 1-1, both meetings on clay. Bagnus was the most recent winner in the French Open qualifying last year. When I saw this line, I was shocked. I can understand that Darderi just ended up beating the defending champion, and I get that Darderi's been great throughout this event, beat Hoffman, he's been pretty comfortable. Having said that, his first ever ATP final against a guy in his home country with a ton of experience, and he's minus 142, this line's crazy to me. Now, I get if you think Darderi's going to win, that's fine. I think we can agree, though, that minus 142 is a little bit nuts, especially since Bagnus has not dropped a set in the entire tournament, including qualifying. Like, that feels a bit crazy to me. Darderi had a war against Baez, which he won. Good win. He was kind of cramping a bit towards the end of that match. He double-faulted twice in a row to give the break back uh, late in that uh, third set. Then he got the immediate break back to allow him to serve it again for the match. But I saw him double fault a bunch down the stretch. It seemed like his fitness was not great. Bagnus had a tough job closing it out in the second set against Coria, but he was on the court for a lot less time. And the fact is, when if, you, if you have a guy in his home country who has not dropped a set in the entire event, and he's against a 21-year-old, I'm going to take the dog here. I think 122 is a very solid price. I thought that this was going to be closer to Darderi minus 115, minus 110 apiece. If you told me Bagnus was a favorite, I wouldn't be shocked. So the point is, this line could have gone any way. And Darderi being minus 142, I think it's nuts. I, I just think that you're looking at what should be a pretty competitive match. If you think that Darderi's fitness is going to be a concern, then I think there's value on Bagnus. And I do think there's value because I, I wonder how Darderi is going to handle playing this much tennis, dealing with this much pressure. And I do think the crowd will be against him once again. Now, it didn't matter. In the Baez match, Baez was spraying unforced errors for the entire third set. But I think this line is a bit steep. I think it should be close to a pick -em. I would have it a minus 110 apiece if I had to line it myself. Maybe Dardarius slight favorite minus 115. But the fitness at the end of the match is a concern. And I do think the home crowd will play a factor. Now, a reminder, for the sake of the history of this event, every year in Cordoba that this tournament's been held, the finals go on three sets. Every single time, the finals go in three sets. If you want to blindly take the over two and a half sets, historically, that is a 100% play. So if you want to do that, I think it can go three sets. I don't mind that either. But I do think you're looking at what should be a pretty fun match. Give me the guy who has not dropped the set yet, getting plus 122 against maybe a somewhat injured or somewhat compromised young player who might succumb to the nerves. We'll see what happens. But I do think there's some value on the dogs here. Common trend for the show. I ended up going with the dogs. So that's kind of where I'm looking. I think Bagnus gets it done. And I think he finally wins his first ever title in front of the home country fans. Now for a question in the actual uh, YouTube chat, a reminder, we are doing this on YouTube as well. If you're following this on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. So I am taking questions. Uh, Cap wants to know if I'm doing more pods. I actually am. Uh, this year I decided to include quarterfinal episodes for every event. So in previous years, I did 250s and 500s. I did the semis and the final. This year, I also 
included quarterfinals. So there are more episodes. That is not just something that you might have noticed, but you can't tell if it's true or not. It is true. We are doing more episodes per tournament. Now, as for Masters 1000s and for Grand Slams, we're still doing one episode per round. But for 250s and 500s, the new edition of 2024 for this podcast, we are doing bonus episodes for quarterfinals. That's the difference. But anyway, I'm going to go with Bagnus here. Should be fun. Both guys have an underrated amount of firepower. Both can generate some topspin as well uh, with their shots. But I think Bagnus and Darty, uh, Darderi, the serves, might be the story here. And with Darderi's cramping late in that Baez match, I'm a little bit concerned. And I think that this line's too high. So that's going to wrap it up for my actual previews of the championship matches taking place on Sunday in Marseille, in Dallas, and in Cordoba. Now it is time for the lock and dog picks for the show. But before we get into any of that, going to have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by the SGP Super Bowl 58 Props Contest. $1,000 winner-take-all prize. Free to enter. Pick 58 props for uh, Super Bowl 58. Enter today. Uh, sportscampodcast.com slash SB58 or hit the link in the SGPN app. We're also brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's US-based and available in 40 states. Peer-to-peer social betting is the new and better way to bet, bet directly against your friends or other users on sports, politics, pop culture, and other events with verifiable outcomes, and a ton of fun social features that give it the feel of a betting social network. Cut offers lower VIG and full customizable odds so you can create your own bets. Cut handles the payment side of things, so you never have to worry about chasing down your money. Social features include group chats, betting leaderboards, head-to-head history, user profiles, fan groups, and more. And they have good rewards. Get cash back every single time you bet against your friends or other users. And our partners at Cut are giving away $5,000 to the user who refers the most New depositors by the end of the Super Bowl weekend. All you have to do is invite your friends to sign up for Cut via the Invite Friend button on your dashboard and have them deposit before Monday. The user with the most depositor uh, referrals will get $5,000 inside credit automatically added to their accounts next week. Cut is the Peter Bureau social betting platform that's US-based available in 40 states. Head to Cut.com. It's KUTT.com. And use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by GameTime. I know about all of you, but I personally love attending sporting events in person. And it used to be very annoying to actually find a ticketing provider that I could trust. But that changed once I found the Game Time app, because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all these sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have a lot of great features in the app, including my favorite feature, which is the images of seat views. So I'm sure you've had this happen before. You buy a ticket, you're ready for the event you're about to watch, and then you suddenly realize there's an obstruction, a pole or something in front of you, and you realize that you spent money, your hard-earned money, on a sporting event that you can barely watch because your view's obstructed, that is not going to happen with this feature because it will show you a preview of the exact view you're going to get if you purchase that ticket, so you can definitely avoid those type of disaster situations before spending your hard-earned money on tickets. But they also have a lot of great last-minute ticket deals. Forget plenty of months in advance. Game time is deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And exclusive flash deals for tickets on football, basketball, baseball concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So sign tickets without the stress with game time, download the game time app and create an account. Use code CFBX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CFBX for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by Hall Fan Bets. 
Win bigger, betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame bets. Sports fan analytics platform, parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet, or in which picks are hot, or uh, which players are hot, and which picks have value. Stop back in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame bets to craft more intelligent. That driven parlay is down the Hall of Fame bets app for the bets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing the three final matches in Cordoba, Dallas, and in Marseille taking place on Sunday. Now it is time for the moment you've been waiting for, the lock and dog picks for the show. For the lock, we are going to go back to the first match in Marseille, and we are going to take the over 22 and a half games in the Dimitrov and Umber match. Kind of just rinse and repeat from what we did for the semis. Dimitrov has been a tiebreaker magnet. We saw a war take place against Kachanov, and we cashed the over for the lock in the last episode, which you can see right here. So the same exact number at 22 and a half, you're actually saving 15 cents because this time it is minus 115 compared to minus 130. But Umber has been in great form so far in this event. He's won each of the last six sets, including a straight sets win against her catch. So he's been in good form. Dimitrov has been in good form too. And there's been at least one tiebreaker in six of Dimitrov's last seven matches. I mentioned before, they faced off one time in Umber's home country a couple years ago in Paris. That went three sets, but I do think you're going to see a close match. I think the odds in this match are kind of ridiculous with Dimitrov being around minus 218, minus 220. So for me, give me a close battle like we saw in the semis between Dimitrov and Kashanov, and I'll take the over 22 and a half games as my lock as a result. Now for the dog, I am going to go to Cordoba. Yes, historically speaking, I mentioned earlier that the over two and a half sets in the final is 100%. You take the over two and a half sets in the Cordoba mat, in the Cordoba championship match, you pretty much automatically win, historically speaking. I'm going to go with the dog here, though. I am going to go with Bagnus on the money line at plus 122 instead. couple reasons why. First reason, Bagnus has not dropped a set in the entire tournament, including qualifying. So having him get plus money against a relative unknown I'm going to give Dardari props, though. He's been great so far in this event, and I definitely under I definitely sold him short in that bias match in the semis. My bad there. Dardari was fantastic, simply put. But I do think that Bagnus is in great form, not dropping a set. He has home court advantage with the crowd. Bagnus also won last year's head-to-head meeting in French Open qualifying, so I know Bagnus can definitely have the game to get the job done. And I do think, looking at Bagnus's overall form, he's in a good spot. Uh, with him not dropping a set in the entire event, with him beating Coria in the early match. Dardari had the late match, uh, which ended up going long, and he was cramping a bit towards the end of that third set against Baez. So physically, I have my doubts about Dardari if this ends up going a long way. I think, uh, once again, Bagnus, we saw the head-to-head work out in his favor against Coria. He's a lefty who can really generate a lot of height on the bounces with his forehand, and that can definitely make life difficult for Dardari, given some unique looks. Also, in being a lefty, having some volley skills and the drop shots have been on point for for a Bagness. I just like his overall variety, and I do think that with him 
being in this experienced uh, with him just having a, such a significant experience advantage with him being around the tour for a long time while their dairy is in his first ever ATP final i think it's a good spot and i think that this price is once again too large for a guy who was a little bit banged up to end that match and really survived a war so give me a uh, bagness on the money line here at plus 122 to get the job done as my dog so once again my picks for the show the lock is going to be on the over 22 and a half games in the Dimitrov and Umber match at minus 115. And my dog will be on Bagnus Moneyline at plus 122. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. A reminder, a couple of announcements before we officially end the show. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe on YouTube. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Spotify or on Apple if you're still consuming the podcast that way. As for next week, we have three tournaments once again. Uh, we have one taking place in Buenos Aires, so that's going to be on clay. And we have two hardcore events in Rotterdam and in Delray Beach. I am going to let you all know, though, Rotterdam is a 500, so the field should be slightly better in Rotterdam than in Delray and in Buenos Aires. Should be fun, though, and hopefully we'll end up picking some outright winners in the next episode. Probably going to do all three in one episode. Maybe we'll divide it like we did for the past week, where we'll have uh, one episode for the hardcore events with Rotterdam and with Delray, one for uh, the clay event in Buenos Aires, or maybe actually I might do one for Rotterdam alone because it's a 500, but probably if I can, I'll do all three in one episode. We'll try to do that, but either way, until next time, uh, you can find me on Twitter, Rise Show Radio, find me on the NBA show, the MLB show, the WNBA show, the NFL show. You get the point. Until next time, though, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.